good morning, good morning, friends. Hello to you all. It is Sunday, August 20th, which means many of our friends are enjoying their last few weekends before the school year starts, which means uh, we get to hang out together and feel like a tight-knit group today, don't we? Right, yes. That's right. Yes. So, um, so what that means is, uh, you'll notice we don't have any percussion. So as I've told you before, you all get to be the percussion at times. Just clap your hands, stomp your feet, slide to the left, all that good stuff. And uh, But we're just, we're so grateful that you're with us today. If you are so inclined, we'd love to have you move up forward. If not, no big deal. We're going to enjoy our time together uh, one way or another. Come closer. And for- we're going to be lonely up here. <laughs> yes. And so for our friends that are at home, and, and we expect there's probably a lot more of you guys listening uh, online today, whether you're in the car or in your home or uh, camping or whatever it is, we're grateful that you're here today with us. As always, we'll be receiving communion together as a community. Uh, and so for our friends that are in the room, you'll be able to come up and be served uh, by our ministry team if you like, or uh, there's the cups of the bread and juice in the back as well. And if you're at home, uh, Take a moment or two to get your bread and your juice, whatever you have, and we'll receive communion together today. Uh, For everybody that's at home, you can see what's happening this week on Facebook or at ccmonline.org. And if you'd like to give, you can give at ccmonline.org slash give or by texting 84321. But we're grateful that you're here and we say good morning to you all. Good morning. We are still in our summer series called Great Together, talking about our relationships with one another. Um, We started this series by talking about how God is in relationship with God's self, um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when God created us, we were invited into that relationship. And as Jesus came thousands of years later to then help us understand why we weren't doing a great job (laughs) relating to God, we didn't know how to relate to God or to relate to each other well, Jesus came to be this perfect example of what it means to be a good neighbor, what it means to love our neighbor. And we find that we remain in the love of God. It's not something we compete for or we achieve or we earn. It's something we stay in. But when we stay in the love of God, we're always loving other people because that's always what God is doing, right? So our invitation this summer has been how do we do that more and better so that we can experience more of God together. And today, Pastor Kathleen is going to be talking about compassion. She's going to talk about a story in scripture that starts with somebody asking, who is my neighbor? Which I think is a great question. Often that's the word that comes up when Jesus, um, and and even in the Old Testament, when we talk about loving each other as our neighbor. And I don't think it's a word we use quite as much today. It's not a concept I think about quite as often as I think maybe we did 50, 60 years ago. So I want you to think about Um, Who in your life has been a good neighbor to you? And just take a second to reflect on that and maybe turn to someone next to you and share who has been a good neighbor to you recently. have a wide variety of reasons that somebody might have been a good neighbor to us. Um, But what I love about Jesus in this story is he kind of shows us that the person who's a good neighbor is the one who comes alongside and helps, right? Um, And so 
our neighbor is the one who has been there with us. And Jesus is this perfect neighbor. Jesus healed, right? He included people who weren't included. He corrected people who weren't including them. He went out of his way to be the light and the love that our world desperately needed, right? And so today as we prepare for our prayers of the people and to celebrate communion, um, I just want to celebrate this idea of compassion and Jesus as our neighbor, the ways that he has loved us. And so um, I think about how on the night that Jesus was betrayed, um, he gathered his closest neighbors with him, the people who had been following him. And he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you, the greatest act of compassion there ever was. And he took the cup and he raised it and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for you. Take and drink. And we do all of this in remembrance of Jesus. And so together we're going to say, and you can repeat after me, Jesus, we remember you. And as the servers come up to serve communion, I want to invite you to um, to write a prayer. Um, we've been writing our prayers of the people for the last six months or so. There are post-its around the room. And I just want to invite you, if there is a neighbor maybe that God is inviting you to pray for, if there's someone that God is inviting you to be a neighbor to, um, to pray a prayer for them today. If you pray, place your prayer on the pedestal when you come up, it'll get read by our readers. Um, if you put it back there, our pastoral staff will be praying you, for you throughout the week. And if you just want to pray a prayer, but you're not really feeling like it should be public, we have our light walls, and you can light a candle as a symbol of this active prayer that God is listening to with you. So, Jesus, we thank you for your compassion. We thank you for this act of remembrance. Jesus, we remember your great compassion for us today as we take the bread and we drink this wine or the juice and we pray that we would know how to be good neighbors the way you have been neighborly to us. Amen. So we invite you to either come up and receive communion or receive it from the back if that feels safer to you. We pray for continued prayers for the Snyder family and all those who loved our Jack. I pray that everyone is reminded that God loves everyone. I pray for my daughter and her siblings. Prayers and mercy for Trisha as she continues to battle the cancer. Praises and prayers for my wonderful family. Prayers for my dad and for my cousin Jeff and family. I thank you, Lord, for my husband's love, patience, and kindness always. For my friends who need to see that God is hope. Lord, we pray for David Gamble and his family. Prayers for my son and soon-to-be daughter-in-law, Ryan and Samantha. We pray for those starting difficult things, that God would give them courage and boldness. Prayers for my sister, for her heart to heal. Heal, Lord. Pray for restored hope after a broken dream. And prayers for people struggling with addiction and anxiety and depression. 
pray for my grandpa. He is really lonely, and I pray that he finally makes a friend. Prayers for my husband's pain. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. In our triumphs, you celebrate with us. In our darkest nights, you are with us. You are always with us. Hallelujah. Prayer for all who have lost their loved ones. Please pray for my son. He is broken, depleted of everything he holds dear. Pray that nothing can take his will. Hallelujah. Prayers for all who don't or all who don't know you as their personal savior, Lord Jesus. We ask for continued prayers for all who loved our Bobby Sims. Heal their hearts, Lord. Prayers for Justin, Nicole, Corbin, Caden, and Lilia. We pray that you can help my sister with her emotions. Prayers for Carmen, Griffin, and Amber, Griffin's kids. Heal their hearts, Lord Jesus. I pray you can help protect my family. Thank you for everything you have done for us. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Pray for our kids as they begin a new school or a new start to college. Praises for the healing of Barb and Gary and Terry. It is finished. Praise for our Lilia to stay with us. Um, this, is, this one says, I wish my mom was not making me not be friends, not be with my friend. So we just ask you, Jesus, that you would help bring restoration to that relationship and reconciliation with um, this person and their mom and with their friend. And prayers for all the kids going back to school to keep them safe. <laughs> Gotta share. I know this one's long. Uh, prayers for my Uncle Ed in the hospital who has fallen once again and will never be able to walk again. Pray that he gets better and continues to try and heal. Amen. Prayers for my mother in ill health, that she has answers soon in relief of her pain, all of her pain. Prayers for my brother to forgive my mother's past and to bless her future. Smile, let your hearts be filled with joy. Prayers for peace and from worry for all those who need it. Bless the children as they return to school and keep them safe. Um, Jesus, we just bring all of these prayers before you, and we thank you so much that you are with every single person who wrote down a prayer or people who didn't have the, um, the time or the courage to write down something, but that you know each of our hearts, God, and you understand the entire situation. And, um, yeah, Jesus, we just thank you for everybody in here and um, their willingness to lay their hearts before you, God. And um, we love you. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Good morning again. We have a few announcements before we head into the message today. Um, first, I just want to say welcome. If you are new here to Crossroads, we would love to greet you. Um, you can 
follow this QR code to some creative ways to learn how you can best connect at Crossroads. Or you can head back to the Next Steps kiosk after the service, and we have a free gift for you. would love to get to know you a little bit more. And we wanted to let you know, last week was our food pantry, um, and we wanted to give you an update. We had asked for some increased giving around our food pantry as the price of food has gone up, that people would be willing to sponsor a family. And once again, you guys have been abundantly generous with us. Um, so $2,000 were given, $2,001 were given to our food pantry in the month of July, which more than met the bill for July, which was $1,724. So we wanted to celebrate that with you. We wanted to say thank you. We wanted to say thank you to God for moving and providing in these ways um, and say that another month of food pantry is coming up. <laughs> and so um, if you would like to sponsor a family again, thank you so much for being a part of the provision that people in our community need. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And then we wanted to let you know um, a new arrival. Our CR youth is kind of merging together. Um, middle school and high school are going to start doing a lot of joint things together. So there will be small groups for high school and middle school, um, but a lot of our events and things we're going to be able to provide for all of the 6th um, through 12th graders this year. So if you have questions about that, the leaders are going to be Jaquiel, Stacy, and AJ, and you can ask them anything you want about how that's going to work. We would really encourage you, if you are in that demographic or if you know people in that demographic, um, we really feel like this is an exciting move of the Holy Spirit providing for our kids um, and youth. And then the first opportunity for them to kind of plug in in a really exciting way is Saturday, September 16th. They're going to be going on to a fall youth camp at Grace Adventure Camp. It'll be a one-day trip, high ropes courses, team bonding, setting them up well um, to connect throughout the year. So if you want more information, you can follow the QR code. And there is a cost, um, but we have an anonymous donor in our congregation who offered to help support anyone who sees cost as a restriction to going. So if um, you need financial assistance, just reach out to Stacy, and she would love to help make sure you can still come. And then Haiti School Box program, um, I always find it incredible that our church has partnered with Haiti as long as we've existed. And not just partnered with a country, right, but partnered with a person. Pastor Carlo has done amazing work in Haiti, and we get to be a part of it by supporting them. And this is the time of year where we normally, we're thinking about going back to school, so we think about our kids in Haiti who are going back to school as well. And this year we can't ship items into Haiti without causing danger for their community, but we can financially support them. And so if you um, are feeling led to give, we would really encourage you um, to be generous as they are facing more um, fear and uh, violence and um, just really intense persecution, um, not just as a church, but as a country. Um, so. If you would give your prayers um, and consider giving to Haiti um, in this special time of year, we would appreciate that. And then our Summer Great Together series is starting to wrap up. Uh, there was an event on Friday that's already over that you can't go to. Um, but there is a jam session with Joe Pelly and Laura Pelly. And if you like to play music, this is a great opportunity for you. If you like to listen to music, you are also still welcome. Um, they're great hosts, and we, they would love to have you. And then there's Wiffle Ball coming up on September 10th. A few more opportunities to connect with people in the church who maybe you haven't gotten to know before. So thank you so much for joining us this Sunday. We have one more song that's going to lead us into worship 
as Pastor Kathleen um, comes up. And if you, I feel like everybody knows Pastor Kathleen. She's our Connections Pastor here. Um, she is the kind face that has greeted so many of us of our first time here at Crossroads. Um, she is a coach. She is um, someone who has walked with so many of us through grief. Um, and she is really our expert in compassion. So we are so excited to hear from her today. And we hope this heart, this song can prepare your hearts for worship. Or for worship through the message. There we go. Well, that was a beautiful song and a great lead-in to talk about compassionate relationships. I might need to move this up a little bit closer. Where's your big yeah. helper? You know, my big helper, it's a funny story. Oh, sorry. I thought I forgot something uh, like two minutes ago, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot something, and I need it for my message. So he is so sweet. He ran all the way home, and I had it the whole time. (laughs) But he'll be walking in any minute, so he's great, and I love him so much, and he's used to my um, forgetfulness sometimes, but uh, yeah, so... The Great Together series, hasn't it been great to be together? For those of you who have been a part of it, have you loved it? Getting together and meeting new people. Um, It's been great hearing different um, messages from people throughout the summer. And so, uh, talking about relationships. So, I was given the topic of compassion. Talking about compassionate relationships, which to me is very near and dear to my heart. And... um, I've recently gone through some training on compassion, and um, I joke with my husband, Sean, he's an Enneagram 2, so if if you know anything about the Enneagram, um, I always tell him, compassion comes so naturally to you, but for me, I have to take classes to learn how to to be compassionate. (laughs) So so today, I'm going to just share a little bit about compassionate relationships with you. And so the very first question is, what is compassion? And so compassion is um, very, yes, that shows, okay. Compassion is, um, it essentially is to, comes from two Latin words that means to suffer with. And so that is when we suffer with another, that's compassion. And I love the way that Henry Nouwen says it. He says, compassion asks us to go where it hurts to enter into the places of pain, to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion challenges us to cry out with those in misery, to mourn with those who are lonely, to weep with those in tears. Compassion requires us to be weak with the weak, vulnerable with the vulnerable, and powerless with the powerless. Compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. And I love that last line. It's, that is essentially compassion is full immersion in the human condition. And we have many opportunities in our world to, um, to offer compassion to one another. And so sometimes we get confused between the difference of what is compassion and what is empathy. And the two are very similar, I will say, um, but they're not the same. So empathy is a powerful tool of compassion, 
That is when we can be present to another in our heart space with their pain. We see suffering in another. And we have the ability to um, see their perspective or take their perspective and feel the emotions of another person. However, um, compassion is when you become aware of the suffering um, of another and then you are moved to alleviate the suffering in some way. And so the main difference between empathy and compassion is that there's action involved in compassion. Okay? And so it involves a movement. And so one thing to say right off the bat is that we're always beginners in the act of compassion. Uh, we're always learning. Um, it's, it, as I said, it's a movement. And so with that in mind, I'd like to look at compassion as three movements of compassion. Um, so we have three movements of compassion. The first starts with our head. It's awareness. It's of being able to perceive another's pain, okay? And um, this is, interestingly enough, in today's society and, and where we, uh, the moment we live in in time, awareness might be one of the hardest things because awareness causes us to be able to slow down and to notice. And sometimes when we're just too busy doing the next thing, it's easy to walk past situations where we might be able to offer a word of encouragement or a bit of compassion. And so, so the awareness as the first movement involves our head center, which is our thinking center and the perceiving and understanding. And so it's the opposite of distraction. And so when we can completely be aware of another suffering, it causes us to then move and drop down into our heart space. And this is our feeling center. And our heart space um, can have an effect on our attitude, where when we see another's pain, we're aware of it, we, it drops down into our heart space, and there's a movement that happens. We're moved with compassion when we see another who's suffering. And so um, also compassion is, um, it's, it starts in awareness, and it moves to change our attitude toward another in their suffering. Um, but it's also more than a feeling, and it's more than an awareness. It involves our third center of intelligence, and that is our body center. Uh, that's the action center, and that's the moving center. And so that is when we respond with action to, the ease, to ease the suffering of another, okay? So if one of these three centers is missing in the equation, it's not true compassion, because true compassion takes the awareness of suffering, the movement that happens to want to alleviate that suffering, and then the action that we take um, in order to do something that alleviates it in some way. So it requires all three centers of intelligence. And Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 6.36, he said, be compassionate just as God is compassionate. And of course, we see that Jesus modeled that throughout the Gospels. We see that when he saw the crowd, um, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And in Matthew 9, it says that he had compassion on them. 
And in Matthew 14, uh, Jesus said, when he saw the crowds, they were tired and they were hungry, and he had compassion on them, and he fed them, and he healed them. And Luke 7, when the widow was burying her only son, Jesus was moved with compassion for the woman, and the scripture said that he raised her son from the dead. So Jesus is our model, that he modeled compassion throughout the Gospels, and, and he chose to suffer with those who were hurting by healing the blind, the paralyzed, the deaf, the grieving, the hungry, the sick, and the lost. He had compassion on them. And we see that as we read through the Gospels. And so it's our invitation today as well that we would be like Jesus, that we would be compassionate as Jesus is compassionate, as it tells us in Luke 6, 36. Um, and, and, you know, compassion for us may not look like raising the dead or may not look like feeding the thousands, um, but compassion is, involves something that you can do to alleviate the suffering of another person. So I want you to take a minute and even just think about, think about a time in your life when you were suffering. Maybe it was a big suffering Maybe, maybe something not so big, but nonetheless, you were in pain. And think about a time when someone offered you compassion. And what did that do for you? What was that like? So compassion when you think about it in those terms, it might look more like praying for someone, laying your hands on them, praying for them, offering them a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a hospital visit. Maybe it's a bowl of soup. Or maybe it's sharing your story. Sharing your story of of a time when God met you in your place of pain. And when you share the story of how God touched you and healed you, that offers hope to another person. And that, so compassion in the doing doesn't have to be huge and grandiose, but it it is an action of some sort. It's an entering in, holding space for another. And when we can hold, sit in the dark with somebody, sit in their suffering and hold that space without trying to fix it or advise them or rescue them or come up with solutions or offering compassion to another by just being present to another. And so it's when we can do this, what we're doing is we're taking what's most true in us and we're taking it to what is most true in others. And so it's a we bring our whole self. It's an immersion in the human condition as Henry Nouwen said. And so the three movements of compassion really come to life in the parable of the Good Samaritan. So I'm going to read it. You can follow along and read it. You can close your eyes if you'd like to. But this is really um, modeled in this parable that Jesus told when he was asked the question, Who is my neighbor? And Hannah shared a little bit about that earlier. And so... When he, Jesus was asked, who is my neighbor? Let's listen to the story. 
One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. So the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and bandits attacked him. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant came to that place, and when he saw the man, he too went around him and continued on his way. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan cleaned and bandaged his wounds. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, Which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said, yes, now go do the same. And so the message of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan, is as relevant to us today as it was then. And so there's so much that we can take from this parable. Um, But I want to focus on verse 33. And it says, I I just want you to notice the compassion in the Good Samaritan. Now, if you know a little bit about the history of the Good Samaritan and the Jews, I mean, the scripture even used the word despised, a despised Samaritan. So there was a lot of... um, uh, animosity between the, the Jews and the Samaritans, and uh, there was a lot of di- discrimination. The Jews saw the Samaritans as less than, and so there was a lot of discrimination and marginalization going on, but, but the, um, the Good Samaritan, he saw the man, and he felt compassion. So he saw him, dropped down to his heart space, and he felt compassion. And so um, I love that this is Jesus' example. It's not my example, but it's Jesus's. And and so I don't think it's any coincidence that there was all this um, hatred uh, between the two of them. But he saw the man and he felt compassion. And so um, he didn't see the differences Notice that. He didn't see the differences. He didn't see him as the other. He didn't see him as, you know, I, he doesn't deserve my help. There's, he's my enemy. 
um, you know, we saw that the priest walked right past, right? Well, we don't know why that all happened, but that's something to notice, that the priest and the temple assistant just walked right past. But, you know, it, it is um, a message just today is that when we can have an awareness of our shared humanity, that we are all connected to one another, that we have an understanding that we belong to one another. The scripture is very clear that we are the body of Christ. All of us are the body of Christ. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you because they have different functions, right? So the same is true of us in this instance is that we have, have, when we can have an understanding that we belong to one another, even if, the person is culturally different than us. Even if the person doesn't look like us or doesn't speak our language or the person doesn't even believe the way that we do um, or if they don't vote like we do, we belong to one another. And this is the message of the, um, the Good Samaritan and that the suffering of one affects the suffering of all. And so when we can have that kind of an understanding, we are able to see the image of God in another person, right? We don't see all the differences, but we see where we're alike. We see that we belong to Jesus. And I love the way that John Lewis um, puts it. I hope I didn't skip that one. Let's see. I guess. Oh, here. Okay. So... um, John Lewis, he was one of the leaders of, leaders of the civil rights movement, and he says it this way. In the religious sense, you can say that in the bosom of every human being, there is the spark of the divine. So you don't have a right as a human to abuse that spark of the divine in your fellow human being. If you have someone attacking you, beating you, spitting on you, you have to think of that person Years ago, that person was an innocent child, an innocent little baby. What happened? Did something go wrong? Did someone teach that person to hate, to abuse others? You try to appeal to the goodness of every human being, and you don't give up. And I love that because when we can see the spark of the divine, we see the image of God in another person, we're seeing with eyes of compassion. And we remember that everyone has a story. That was in one of our songs today, that we all have a story and we're all deserving of love. And that just, when we see with an awareness and we feel with our hearts, our heart space is opened up. And we are um, opened up to that our attitude in our heart changes because we, are, um, we can be moved with compassion by what is most true, and that is that a person is suffering. So that creates an openness when we see and we feel, and when our heart, heart is open to see, <clears throat> excuse me, it leads then to action. And we see with the, um, the Good Samaritan, he intentionally responds with action, to alleviate the suffering. He gave of himself, selflessly gave to bring healing. And so this is the point where empathy and compassion, or empathy is transformed into compassion because 
he went, he took that next step, and he did something about it. He bandaged his wounds. He took him to the inn. He paid for his care. And so it's a movement. It's a movement of um, awareness, thinking center, feeling center, action center. And one of the, um, one of the uh, metaphors that I like to use, and so that creates a flow, head, heart, gut. Head, heart, gut, right? Use all three centers. We don't just use our head and say, oh, my goodness, he doesn't deserve my care. He does, she doesn't deserve my help. We're stuck in our head. If we're stuck in our heart, we can say, oh, my gosh, I feel so, I feel so um, bad for, for this situation. And it can, be a, a, it can keep us stuck there to where we take on and feel the pain of another person. But that doesn't do us a lot of good if it just sticks right here in our heart, right? Or if we just operate out of our, um, our moving center and go do something, right? If we're just going and running and doing and doing and doing, sometimes we're not doing the things that are most helpful because we haven't checked in with our head or we haven't checked in with our heart to see what's most um, helpful in this moment. So we need the flow of all three. And I love, maybe you guys have seen one of these little fidget spinners. And maybe you even have one um, because they're so cool. And I love it as a metaphor for using all three centers of intelligence. And so you can see, you know, there's three different lobes that are very visible and clear. But when, when they're in flow, if you look at this as, as our head space, our heart space, our gut space, when we're in flow, it looks like one. You can't see, can't see the difference. You can't see that there's, that there's only head, there's only heart, there's only gut, there's only thinking or feeling or action. But it's a continual movement. It's a continual flow. And when we're in flow, um, compassionate flow, we're, able, we're open. We're able to look at situations and, and instead of saying, you don't deserve my help, I'm going to walk to the other side of the road, we can look at another and say, what happened? How can I help? What do you need? What can I do? And so when we're, when we're open, it's a free flow. We're flowing out of our giftedness, out of our imago day. But sometimes we get stuck, we all do, and we interrupt that flow, right? And we get stuck in our head, we get stuck in our feelings, we just are busy doing, 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 without actually doing uh, the right thing. And so when we're closed, or we're stuck, this is the place of um, unforgiveness, maybe. This is the place of judgment, maybe. Uh, the mentality that says an eye for an eye, or maybe it's an us versus them when we're stuck in one of these spots without the flow happening. And so, you know, in the words of uh, the great Ted Lasso, <laughs> who says, be curious and not judgmental. Being curious, not judgmental the flow begins to happen. We don't even have to think about it. We see suffering. 
we're moved in our hearts by another's pain and suffering. We take action with things that would be helpful. And so um, this is another example. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is when we can be in flow. When we're in flow, we don't have compassion, but we become compassion. We can enter into the human condition of another. And the Samaritan is a beautiful example of becoming compassion and integrating all three centers of his intelligence. Didn't just operate out of one, didn't operate in judgment, unforgiveness, even though he had a right to. So when we can live naturally in the flow of our compassionate true self and intentionally access all three centers of our intelligence, we can live from a place that regularly asks these three questions. What do I think about this situation? How do I feel? Is there a movement that's happening in me? The Holy Spirit is moving me in some way. And then, what am I invited to do? That's when we can remember and return to flow. This is living from a more balanced center and a place that is uh, bringing our whole self to a, another. And this is when we can remember to return to flow. And it is a daily remembering. It's, it's as I said in the beginning, this is a, um, a practice of developing the art of compassion. Because even though some of us may be quick to action, that's not always the right thing. To, to quick run in and fix and rescue. But checking in. Head, heart, gut. We can return to flow. So let's pray. God of compassion, we pray that you would open our eyes to bring to our awareness the suffering of those around us and the suffering within us. Allow us to see others as ourselves, as connected, as being a part of one another. Allow us to see as you see. God of compassion, we pray that our hearts would be open and be moved by what moves you. May we see the spark of the divine in one another and remember that we are all a part of the body of Christ. May we know and understand our need for one another. God of compassion, may our minds and our open hearts move us to respond in ways that bring love and compassion to the world, being a compassionate presence to all those we encounter, including ourselves. Amen. Amen.